Welcome to the Triathlon ACT podcast, where you'll find out all the latest news, events, results, and backstory of all things triathlon. You'll also hear from the incredible people who bring triathlon in the heart of the nation's capital to life. And now your hosts, all the way from Canberra, Australia, Craig Johns and Emily Stacey. Welcome to episode five of the Triathlon ACT podcast. Triathlon ACT members live, train and compete on the lands of the Ngunnawal people. We acknowledge the traditional owners and custodians of this land and pay our respects to them, their culture and their elders past and present. And I would now like to welcome Craig Johns, my co-host to today's podcast. It's a pleasure to be here, Emily. And I hear you've been uh, very busy over the last two weeks. Getting a performance gain on me sleeping from what, I, from what I hear. There has been a little bit of sleeping. I have the privilege of being involved in a sleep study um, at the AIS. It's looking at the effect of protein on female athletes sleep. It has been amazing. Um, I stay Friday and Saturday night. In between the days I get to go home, but there's a lot of cognitive tests that I do as well as some physical activities. So I get to do the beep test three times over a weekend, which is, um, if anyone knows me from high school, it's one of my favorite things to do. Um, yeah, it's really, really interesting. So is that why you were hobbling into uh, the interview today? It may have been while I was, while I was hobbling in. Um, I'm determined not to be this sore next time. So I get to go back for three more weekends. And um, yeah, actually, if anyone is interested, so females aged 18 to 45, we can get the contact details out there on the show notes, perhaps, um, to get in touch with Kathleen and her team. It's, um, it's a really good study. Sounds good. And I remember last episode, you spoke about going to the sports care and physio seminar series. So tell us what that was all about. Yeah, so that was yesterday or um, Sunday afternoon. Um, it was a women's health looking at women's health from the inside out. And they had a panel of speakers. There was a physiotherapist, a dietitian, a skin care specialist, a um, hairdresser, and also a female specific uh, physio. And it was, it was fascinating and it was a really intimate gathering. There was, I think, 24 of us there. And we had the opportunity to kind of look at our, our lives and how we, like what busy looks like for us, but then also the importance of finding balance in our lives. And yeah, and also encouraging each other, I think, to find joy and in, in what we do, but looking at our, uh, our health from a lot of different uh, aspects. Yeah, so very, very beneficial. Now, I was down in Melbourne last week at the National Sports Convention and also the National Sports Integrity Forum. Um, I was very fortunate to have Grant Cosgriff, who's the Executive Director at Triathlon Victoria, and also Amber Whittington from Triathlon Queensland that were down there. You know, we talked a lot about how we're taking, or Australia's taking the national sports plan for 2030 and how that's going to be progressed out over the next sort of 11, 12 years. We, we talked a lot about transgender, very, very topical. And uh, we had a great discussion at the forum around transgender and and how we can incorporate them more effectively into sport, and but also at the same time not affecting current, I suppose, categorizations within sport. You know, like if we have someone with, say, DSD or transgender going into the female category, 
what sort of effects does that have on those that have female chromosomes um, compared to say you know if they went into a male category so very interesting discussion very challenging to actually find a an actual solution to it we also got to speak a little bit around Mac Horton and his stand or not standing on the podium at the World Swimming Champs which has created a lot of controversy around the world and and obviously that will continue on now that uh, there has been a positive sample by an Australian swimmer. Yeah, no, I was reading about that yesterday. So a lot of integrity here. There's also a lot around um, from a governance and leadership point of view, which is going to be interesting to see how that plays out with Swimming Australia and ASADA and WADA, FINA, and, and also obviously this big divide between China and Australia when it comes to swimming at the moment. Mm-hmm. You joined me for the Development Coach course. I did, yes. Yeah, what a great course. Yeah, so it was a lot of fun. You know, we had five coaches on that course. We had some great mentors there that were helping train. So a big thank you to Dave Williams from Fortitude Performance Coaching, James Thorpe from JT uh, Multisport. Um, obviously, Emily, you were there as a as a helper. Um, we had Graham Hill. We had myself. And we also had Gary Rolfe from Bilbies and Transcend, who was there. And what a great weekend. And it's just amazing to watch the progression and transformation of those coaches. Yeah, even like just over the space of the two days, the change that happened in all of the coaches was really encouraging. Very encouraging. Now, we missed last time Chloe Badup and Sean Harris have been down in South Australia at a training camp with Tempo Systems Training. So we had Jordan Ralter with the Triathlon Victoria as well. So great to see those athletes mixing it up with other like-minded, same-age athletes in different parts of Australia. Now, one of our triathlon ACT board members, Matt Horsted, he got down on one knee and proposed to his beautiful fiance Ali while they were over in Europe. That's very exciting for them both. It is very exciting. Um, and this weekend, we're both going to be at the Sri Chimnoi Off-Road Duathlon. Yes, yeah, I have decided not to race that, but I'm keen to come out and have a look to see how the events run. And I hear there's pretty good numbers. There's some great numbers, and you, and you have until Friday to register online, so make sure you get those mountain bikes out and also your trail running shoes and get ready for a great race next Sunday. All right, we are about to get started into the main part of the show. Enjoy. On your marks. It's been another busy week or two weeks of racing for triathlon ACT members. Overnight or over the weekend, David Baldwin and Julian Quinn from the Bilbies finished first in the veteran mixed category at the World Rogaining Champs and also finished second in the mixed open. Congratulations on a fine achievement and been crowned world champions for um, their veteran mixed category. Rod Harrod from the Vikings finished second in his age group at Challenge Prague Triathlon in the Czech Republic. That was over a half Ironman distance. In Whistler in Canada, Monique Diabru from PTC was first in the 25 to 29 age group and second overall female at Ironman 70.3 Canada. Corey Bacon, PTC, finished sixth in the 45 to 49 age group at Ironman 70.3 Canada. Over the previous couple of weeks, he finished second age group and 10th overall at the Donor Lake Triathlon in the USA, which was an absolute killer of a bike course, as well as third age group and ninth overall at the 38th City of Carlsbad Triathlon, where uh, former Triathlon ACT member, or sorry, former Triathlon Australia member who competed with Katie Kelly from ACT, 
um, won her 14th Carlsberg Triathlon um, title. And Harold Llewellyn from T3C finished 20th in the French Grand Prix race in Merit. It uh, ended in a duathlon. Cullen McCluskey was also at the same event. He finished 19th in the men's field. Adam Rudgley went to the Bundesliga third race in Tübingen, and he finished 25th with Connor Sproul, also T3C, finishing 38th. And just one of our new members from the Bilbies, Craig Ferguson, he finished 11th in his age group at the Thai Navy Triathlon a couple of weeks ago. On Triathletes Abroad, we're talking with Clint Pickin from T3C. He's currently over in Girona and he's just come off a third place at the ITU Magog Para Triathlon World Cup. Clint, how are you? Yeah, I'm good, thanks. And yourself, Craig? Good, good. So tell us about that third place in Magog. Great race for you. Uh, yeah, yeah, it was a great result in the end. So um, it's probably one of the toughest races I've done in a little while. Um, we had some lovely hot weather, which um, changed up the race a little bit and ended up being the first for me of a, a non-wetsuit swim. So um, it was good to get that feeling of what it's like to swim without a wetsuit. Excellent. And you had a pretty good swim and a good run. The, the ride it seems like an area you need to work on a little bit. Uh, well, actually, I had um, I had a really good ride there. Uh, compared to my time there last year, I set a PB by nearly three, three and a half minutes. Fantastic. Um, I ran faster by about a minute and a half, I think it was, to last year. Um, and my swim was about 15 seconds slower than what it was last year, but last year we had wetsuits on. So I'm super happy with my time um, for the swim still, so. Yeah, great. So you can pick up a few, a few seconds there on the bike, and you're in the hunt for that uh, gold and silver medal. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I think I'm um, still even a little bit to pick up in the swim as well, um, and probably a little bit to pick up in the run. Um, but yeah, it's all tracking very smoothly and very well. And you in Girona at the moment? What's your training like? Yeah, um, so at the moment we train two to three times a day every day. Um, it's hot uh, that was the choice behind coming across to spain straight from canada um so try and get some heat into the body uh, ready for the tokyo test event in a few uh, i think I, I fly out of here in a week for that so um you know it's yeah it's working tremendously we've had oh, two weeks so far worth of 28 to 39 degrees worth of training twice a day every day yeah. um in pools lovely trails and then some tremendous hill work as well so it's a beautiful area for training perfect preparation and for tokyo and it's uh, obviously very exciting for you to get a chance to check out the uh, olympic course for next year yes yeah definitely so i'm um, super stoked to make it on the start list for tokyo um yeah so we fly out to um, miyakojima um out of here on the 5th of august um for two weeks and then we fly back into tokyo for the test event um so yeah i really can't wait it's going to be an amazing um race just to even see the course and the event and how it's going to be run and obviously the camp beforehand is the same as what it will be for the olympics next year so it'll be great to see that area and what's available and what's around and you know like eatery places supermarkets so you can sort of suss out everything and find everything so next year it's all simple and easy 
currently talking to Monique Diabru and Corey Bacon from PTC, and they're all the way over there in Canada, having just raced Ironman 70.3 Canada. Monique, a great day of racing. Yeah, it was a beautiful day. Couldn't have been better, actually. The course is absolutely amazing here in Whistler as well. And so you picked up first place in the 25 to 29 category and more impressively second overall female. Yeah, yes, I was really stoked with the result. Um, it was quite a competitive field, uh, much bigger than some of the other age group races. So really happy to come away with that result. And tell us about your race up there at Whistler. Um, yeah, so it's like I said before, an amazing course. So the, there's a 1.9 swim um, in the Alter Lake. So it's incredible. The water's really clear and the backdrop is amazing. So you've got snow-capped mountains. Um, and then we've got a 90K bike, um, which was quite tough actually. So there's about um, 1,300 metres of elevation over the course and some quite steep climbs as well. Um, so... Yeah, quite a tough bike course. Um, and then on the run, which was really picturesque. So you got to run through on the Valley Trail, which is actually um, a trail run, and you're going through the um, the pine forests. Um, but definitely a tough one on the legs. So the first 5K was on trail. Um, but, and then you had some undulating sort of rolling hills, but you got to also um, go over some of the bridges of the lakes which were absolutely beautiful so um yeah really good race stunning sounds like canberra right now i reckon if you went swimming in lake Billy griffin you'd have snow-capped mountains in the background as well (laughs) (laughs) maybe um a little bit warmer here too (laughs) (laughs) and we've got Corey, um your coach there as well Corey, you've been very busy there racing in the usa and canada how was your race today yeah, good. Um, you know, like I had a had a good swim. I mean, swimming's one of my strengths. So kind of, the swim times were a bit slower than normal. Um, it's, it's you know fresh water. So, but it was you know it was a good swim. I was third out of the water, and um, the bike, the bike was again a, was a strength of mine, and I was able to kind of get the fastest bike time. Um, but as Monique said, it's, uh, the course was tough, um, you know, mainly riding up towards Olympic Park where they had the uh, Winter Olympics in 2010. So you had to ride kind of up there and um, that, was, that was tough. And then the rest of the course was very undulating. And so there's, you know, some fast sections and some climbing. Um, and the run, you know, the running's not my strength, as many people may know, but... I was happy with um, the run today. I mean, I haven't been able to do much running because I've had a few niggles um, with the feet and, and, and that. And then today my calf unfortunately kind of seized up with 3K to go. So I kind of hobbled, hobbled in. Um, but, you know, look, I, I finished sixth and, um, you know, out of 140-something guys. So, I look, I'm not complaining considering where I'm at. Um, and I'll back it up next weekend, hopefully in Boulder, 70.3. Gee, you're putting some miles in that legs. Um, so you, recently you did the Donor Lake Triathlon. Um, you finished second in your age group and 10th overall. That was looks like an absolute brutal of a course. Yeah, that was crazy. I mean, that's definitely probably the toughest Olympic distance I've ever done. 
and I've done a few and it's, you know, you literally came out of, I mean, the lake was beautiful again, just the, these, these areas are just, you know, amazing to, to race and train. But um, yeah, you kind of came out of transition and you had literally 30 meters before you started a five kilometer, 10%, you know, gradient climb. Um, so it, it was, it was brutal. And, um, and then, I mean, down the other side was, was quite quick uh down to the turnaround and then you had to climb back up again so um yeah very tough and then uh, it was altitude it was at 2200 meters so that was my first time i've raced at altitude which was good to do that and so i you know i mean i, I know enough about altitude but to actually experience it yourself is another thing and um you know i can pass that on to athletes um when they have to ever have to do those types of events but um, the run wasn't pretty because <laughs> I was just I think the the bike ruined my legs and um, and the altitude you know the toughest part of um, training at altitude I find is the run so but yeah no good a good race so good good preparation for this race today and prior to that you raced in the 38th edition of the city of Carlsbad triathlon um, third in your age group, ninth overall, and obviously great to be there racing with uh, McKeeley Jones, who clocked up another impressive win. Yeah, see, she's, uh, I think that was the 14th time McKeeley's won that race. Wow. So, um, but, um, you know, the race is named after her now, which is which is a great thing for her. And, uh, you know, McKeeley's a great friend of mine and um, ever since the Paralympic journey. And, um, you know, we've become quite you know close over the years and um you know i always try and get over to the states and visit them um every year or every second year so and the carlsbad was just um it was a, it was a different type of race you know i mean it was a 1k swim 25k ride 5k run so suited me perfectly <laughs> um but um but you know it was good and you're out in the ocean swimming and there's dolphins swimming with us and um you know that was that was pretty special so but no again a, a good hit out and uh, it was good to do it you know good to do that race with mckeely well now that you've acclimatized to altitude you've got boulder 70.3 next weekend monique are you racing as well no i won't be no it's just best for this weekend and that was your qualification for world champs as well i believe yeah, so it was a qualifier for the 2020 um, World Champs in Tarpu. Oh, beautiful. Another clean water, fresh swim um, with uh, probably some uh, white caps in the, on the mountains in the background as well. Yeah, yeah, it should be, should be really good. I'm here with Rod Harrod and he's currently in Prague in the Czech Republic. Rod, you had a great race at Challenge um, Prague yesterday, how did it go? Oh, look, I came for the experience, Craig. Uh, so I got to the finish line. <laughs> I must say, uh, I was tempted at the uh, first lap of the run, so it's 7K to say, oh, look, I've really had enough because I was pretty pretty much suffering. But uh, I wanted to get to the end, so I just plugged on. Thankfully, the temperature did drop a little bit uh, for the second and third laps of the run so i did feel a little more comfortable after that next uh, initially i i really couldn't get my heart rate under control for a while it was just too hot for me particularly coming out of a canberra winter what but, were the temperatures uh, the race i was in the in the mid 30s with high humidity so it was pretty pretty tough uh, but the race here is is absolutely brilliant i came for the experience 
and it is every bit a, a great experience. It's it's a it's a great race in a in a beautiful city, as I think you know, Craig. Uh, and to have that opportunity is was just a, a magic thing to do. So you finished second in your age group, and you had the privilege of having your son racing there as well. Well, that was yeah. The second was a bonus. The uh, to come to the to Prague and race with Jason was something that uh, we we both very much enjoyed. It was a great thing to do together. We, we finished, I think, about uh, ten minutes apart. So he was just waiting for me to finish the finish line when I got there. Oh, beautiful! So moment. that was lovely as well. Yeah. It was. It was. It was. It was sensational. And um, so Jason was there. His partner Sarah. Sarah's mother and father and brother, and Margaret, of course. So I had a pretty pretty healthy cheer squad. <laughs> Definitely. Now Prague is is possibly one of my favourite cities in the world, and so you've been near. You kind of staying near the old town square. What sort of act, what sort of things you've been up to as a tourist? As a tourist, just been wandering around the old city and uh, up to the castle area, which is a beautiful. It's as you say, it's a lovely cultural city. It's been maintained brilliantly for tourists. Plenty of tourists around. It's just a lovely place to be. The, the sites are nice. The town is lovely and picturesque. It's very historic. It's, it's just one of those unique special places in the world. And what's been your favorite food or favorite you know, your, your food you've had to eat so far? Um, not a variety of food, really. What's been my favorite? Don't know. The one thing I did enjoy yesterday after the race was a lovely cold Czech beer. That, that was probably one of the highlights. <laughs> Beautiful. All right, well, enjoy the rest of your trip and, and holiday over there in Prague, and we'll see you back in Canberra. Yeah, just a plug for for the race organisers here, Craig, for a challenge. Uh, to put on a race like this in the middle of a big city like Prague is just stunning, and the time they had to do it was extraordinary. You know, literally... They from midnight on the on the Friday, not well Saturday morning, so zero 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 hours, when the um, trams and traffics were stopped, they had a morning to set up a complete race site for a for a middle distance triathlon, and they did an absolutely phenomenal job, truly phenomenal. And then they had to pack it all up by midnight of the race day. Wow. Stunning. Wow, it's amazing. Truly really stunning. They transformed the city in, in six hours. You can certainly mark a Challenge Prague down as one of those events if you want to come to Europe and race. It is uh, something you'll definitely enjoy. On this week's Coach's Corner, we've got Guy Jones from Transcend Multisport talking about what gets measured gets managed. Guy, welcome to the show. It's great to be here. So Guy, tell us what this is all about what what do we need to measure so we can manage it well i mean as, as we sort of go through our, our training from week to week from month to month um keeping on top of of what it is that we're doing and and uh, how much of it that we're doing from time to time day to day uh, is really important for making sure that we're we're progressing in the right direction and we know uh, where we're going and where we've come from excellent so the, the having that goal in mind is really really important first 
and then from there we can establish some KPIs or what we're going to measure so we can understand how performance is progressing. Absolutely. So for example, if you wanted to run, say, a 50-minute uh, 10 kilometer race at the end of your, of your Olympic distance or standard distance triathlon, um, you might set milestones in your training for, um, for paces that you're trying to hit or, or, um, or workouts that you're trying to do if you're talking about endurance and the like to, um, to make sure that you're on track to achieving that goal on, on the day of your big race. Excellent. So it's about ensuring you know what you are measuring first and then managing that effectively so you have a great performance on race day. Absolutely, absolutely. So, um, so basically, if you're, you know, if you're not keeping track of what it is that you're trying to achieve, um, you know, once you get to, to race day, how do you know that you're, you're really capable of achieving that? It's membership time, Craig, and I'm really pleased pleased, excited, no, just pleased that Triathlon Australia is just giving out electronic membership cards this year. No more plastic. I'm really excited about it because it means I have one less thing in my wallet. Yep. No, good. One less thing to lose. And all you need to do now is save a photo of that membership card and you've got it stored on your phone, ready to go when you go to a race or if you need to look up your membership when you register for a race. Nice and handy. Yep. Really easy. Perfect. Now, here's a message from Miles Stewart, the CEO of Triathlon Australia. Hello everybody, Miles Stewart here from Triathlon Australia. For the people who have just joined us as new members, welcome to our family and thank you for your contribution. For the people who have renewed again, welcome back and we look forward to offering you some fantastic services this year. We survive and we thrive based off your membership. So thank you for your contribution and we look forward to seeing you on a starting line shortly. This week we're out and about at the Triathlon Australia Coach Development Course in Canberra. I'm talking with Grace Hoytink, who is one of the participants on that course. Grace, how did you find the course? I, I really, really loved the course. I thought it was um, brilliantly run and I, I had a great time. So this time, you know, the previous course you did was foundation. This time you've got it over two weekends. So the first weekend was quite intense where we've got you... Um, practicing your coaching and demonstrating your skills. How did you find that approach? I I love that approach. I've um, spoken with a couple of other coaches who did um, who have done the development course uh, before me before they changed before Triathlon Australia um, changed the whole structure. And um, from hearing what they had to say and, and my experience, I really enjoy the the hands on approach. So where you sort of do all your theory learning before you come to the course. And then, you know, when you're at the course, you sort of get down and dirty into the real practical side of coaching. Yeah, so you've got coach mentors and assessors. How do they work with you throughout the course? Having having those mentors and assessors um, was extremely beneficial. What How it sort of worked is you came to the course pre-prepared with, um, with some session plans. And then you worked really closely with a mentor to discuss your plan, your ideas, and, and how you want to deliver a session. And uh, you worked with them and got some tips and advice on maybe things to, to work on, on things you were doing uh, really well. And then after you delivered your session, you went back to that mentor coach and, and reviewed reviewed how you did, so what you did well and uh, the other things you can work on for, for your next session. So each session we did, we were... Uh, building on the session before it and we're just just getting better and better and it was good to 
uh, good to work on that myself, but also good to see the other coaches on the course also uh, do really well under that under that process. So you had three 20-minute sessions to deliver a swim, a cycle, and a run. And then you also, and so during that time, you're being assessed and evaluated. And then you also get to watch 12 other coaching sessions of 20 minutes each, which provides valuable information. Did you find that for you uh, kind of a bit of a game changer where you could see other people trying different styles of coaching, implementing new things? Absolutely. It was a it was a really unique experience because um, not only did you get to learn off the mentor coaches, but you also got to learn off each other. Um, at times, it was a bit nerve wracking because you you know you're delivering your session, um, you know with with people watching you, that being your mentor coaches, but then also in in front of your peers. But it was a an awesome opportunity to to be pretty vulnerable and just go, okay, like I'm with I'm with my peers, so I can I can try new things and. And everyone, everyone did that. And um, yeah, it was really, really good to see other people try new stuff and go, okay, that worked. I'll do that when I get back to um, my home coaching environment. So you've now got seven weeks till the next weekend. So it's uh, a two-day weekend, seven weeks in between, another two days of, of being at the course. So what have you got to work on in that next seven weeks? Yeah, so in that in that seven weeks, we sort of, take the same structure and approach that we did on the first weekend but we do that in our in our home coaching environment so I have to um write six session plans um sort of like I had to do before the first weekend and then I'll review them with um my home mentor coach that being being James and then I'll deliver those sessions to to the JT multi-sport crew uh under James uh watching me and then we'll talk about it, you know, what went well, what didn't. And then after, when I come back for the second weekend, I'll deliver a little snapshot of uh, those sessions that I, I did with the JT Multisport crew. So hopefully we see some improvement. Triathlon ACT wouldn't be able to do all it does without the valuable support of our sponsors and partners. Sport and Recreation Canberra, Triathlon Australia, Proximity, EY, Rolf Classic BMW, Sports Care and Physiotherapy, Canberra Southern Cross Club, The Runner Shop Canberra, Red Hill Super Express, H2O Marine, Lonsdale Street Cyclery, Elite Energy Events, Virgin Australia, Project Clothing, Training Peaks and Star Outdoor. One I'd really like to mention this week is Sport and Recreation Canberra and their wonderful support. This year we've received three grants. The first one was an inclusion grant which has allowed us to get three para hand cycles. One for performance and two for those getting a start in the sport. So if any clubs or, or anyone knows of anyone that would like to get off the couch and have a go at hand cycling, then let us know. They also supported our Young Women's Leadership Program. That allowed us to provide a free Women's Leadership Program which takes place over five months. That The value for each person in that program, if you were to buy one off the shelf from a leadership program, is around five or $6,000. So we really thank them for their investment. We also receive a big fund each year of $70,000 of triennial funding. And so the great work that we're doing and excellent membership and the club work, everyone is involved in this, allows us to continue receiving that funding to ensure that we can deliver the programs and services and events that make this sport happen in Canberra. 
This is the starting line and we're continuing on from last week where we're looking at balancing family life and training. So this week's tip is to be inclusive and sometimes that means being creative with your training. If you have little kids especially, um, even a bike ride to the park, whether you've got one of those little chariots, extra resistance. But as your kids get older, having them join you on parts of your long run so they can ride next to you while you're running, chatting, give you a drink, things like that. But also if you head down to the playground, uh, yeah, playgrounds are amazing places for strength training, doing pull-ups, push-ups, things like that, anything to kind of incorporate family time and training, two birds, one stone. So does pushing your kid on the swing, does that count? I, I reckon it does. Pushing your kid on the swing, pushing your kids in the stroller, like and running pram and running behind them. You might not be running as fast as a session you might like to hit your times at, but the extra strength training you get with that definitely beneficial. So is it responsible as a parent to do overhead presses? with your child? Oh, I think so. This week on The Whistleblower, we're talking about road rules, and they are exactly the same whether you're driving or riding a bike. Therefore, taking selfies and using your phone while riding is illegal. As a sport, we do not condone the use of phones, and taking selfies while riding. We know it's fun, but it's unsafe, and we don't want you getting in trouble with the police. So, Next time you see a post online, you may want to have a chat to your friend to say, hey, look, you know what? It's being a little bit irresponsible. We love those pictures, but we need to do it safe and in the right way rather than while you're riding a bike. This week's club spot is the Bilby's Triathlon Club, and we're lucky today to have club president Katie Binstock. Katie, welcome to the show. Hi, Craig. So the Bilby's Triathlon Club is 31 years old. Tell us a little bit about the club and who it's for. The club is for everyone, in short. Um, we're really only for adults, but as long as you're over 18, we'll have you. Whether you've done triathlon before, whether you're a world champion triathlete, or whether you're just starting out, you're not sure it's for you, you don't have a background in swimming, running or riding, we're the club for you. It's one of the larger clubs in Australia, so generally sits around about 300 members each year, um, male, female, right, as you said, from 18 right through to 80, 85 year olds in the club. And there's even people there that just come along and swim, bike and run, isn't there? That's right. Uh, you don't have to do all of the things to be a bilby. We have people who just swim because they like the swimming sessions, don't do anything else and aren't interested in racing and will still welcome you with open arms. Um, at the same time, we have people that are heavily involved in all three and all three disciplines quite competitively and we can cater for them as well. We also have members who don't want to train or race anymore and just want to be involved for the social aspect, which is also fine and we'll welcome you for that as well. So tell us a little bit about the social program. What does that involve? So every year we have our end of season party which has just happened. That's probably our biggest social event of the year. That's where we get together and celebrate the achievements of our club members, both within the ACT and internationally. We also have post-running dinners every month where everybody gets together after running. 
the coach will be upset with me when I say that you don't have to go running to go to it, but that's the truth. <laughs> um, and then we also have other ad hoc events during the year and a Facebook group called Bilby's Buddies, where if you want to do something and you want someone to come along with you, post it there and you'll get some friends. And I know that post-ride coffee uh, is generally quite a popular activity as well in the mornings. That is probably the highlight of, of the week, <laughs> especially in winter as we huddle around feeling really proud of ourselves that we got out riding. Um, but post-ride coffee is an institution. And so for those new to the sport, we've got the Bilby's Novice Program and that will kick off in uh, with Information Night in September. That's right. We'll have an Information Night probably towards the middle to the end of September. Uh, you can come along to that and find out what the Novice Program's about, how much it's going to cost, who the coaches are, uh, what each of the sessions involves, a bit more information about the club, whether it's for you. After that, you've got two weeks, you haven't signed up already to sign up for the novice program. Usually we have about 50 to 70 people involved. Um, the program itself will start at the beginning of October. Yeah, so for those that are, are thinking about triathlon, um, the novice programs, whether it's at Bilby's or one of the other clubs, is a great way to get involved. It's, it's for anyone of any ability. It doesn't matter whether you've learned to swim before or you don't have a bike. There's ways to get involved and they help you go step by step through that process so that at the end of the 10 weeks you, or eight to 10 weeks, you can complete the triathlon. So Katie, thank you very much for your time. Thanks, Craig. How stuff works. What's been ticking over in that beautiful mind of yours, Emily? Actually, something, how do the timing chips work? So timing chips, they get wrapped around your ankle strapped on normally on your left ankle because then it makes sure it stays away from the chain and the spoke so you don't get caught up and fall off the bike so always put on the left hand side and they are an rfid transponder so that means you need to run past some antennas and it picks up the radio waves from it and it records your time every timing chip is coded to a number and then obviously we put those numbers which are your race number and we connect that in the computer so that when you cross each timing map, whether it be at the start of the swim, whether it be coming into transition, whether it be crossing the finish line, it registers that time against your, um, your name and the results. And so what it does is actually a timestamp. And then from there, it calculates the actual time based off a timestamp. So what is the date, time, seconds? And then it goes, takes the next one, date, time, seconds, and then it calculates what's in between. So that, Emily, is how your race timing chips work. That's fascinating. Thank you, Craig. What's happening in Canberra, Emily? Well, this weekend we have the Sri Shimnoi Off-Road Duathlon. That's exciting. Yes, running, mountain biking, running in the Botanical Gardens at Black Mountain, you don't normally get to do it. No. We've got the Foundation Coach course on the 17th and 18th of August. Registrations have closed for that, but we have quite a big group coming down for that. So we've got eight fantastic coaches or, or soon-to-be coaches who are going through that course. So thanks to the clubs that put those names forward and get people involved. Not long after that, we've got the ACT Duathlon Champs. 14th of September. 14th of September, out at Stromlo Forest Park. It's going to be another epic day. This year we're a little bit later, so it should be nice, warm conditions, middle of spring. It's going to be a testing ride 
Yeah, no, riding up it's at Uriara Road. Awesome. Undulating. Running on the most perfectly manicured running pathways you'll ever find. It's like running on a bowling green. It is. It's really special. Triathlon in Canberra, awesome. And for those that want to give back to the sport, we've got the Triathlon ACT AGM on the 18th of September. For those that want to be vocal in the community, here's your chance to actually really make a difference. And then we're on to what? The Sri Chimnoi Triple Triathlon. 17th of November, it's going to be an epic day. Have you ever been part of the Triple Triathlon? I have. I've been part of it um, as a competitor, but also as a support crew. Oh, it's a great day out. We normally get around 470 to 500 people, whether they're individuals or in teams of three, six or nine. And for those that don't know, it is three off-road triathlons back to back to back. Yeah, yeah, it's awesome. So I, yeah, hats off to those that will do it at all, but especially the ones that are doing it solo. I know doing the mountain bike legs last year, I got to see parts of Canberra that I have never seen before and some views that were phenomenal. And then we've, uh, the last thing before Christmas is the Jackie Fairweather Memorial Triathlon on the 30th of November. It's a world championship qualifying event for the 2020 ITU World Triathlon Championships. And that's the Sprint Draft Legal. It certainly is. And for those that don't want to do draft legal and don't want to qualify for the world champs, there's a novice race, there are kids triathlons and a non-drafting format for the sprint as well. It sounds like there's something for everyone. One of the most amazing endurance athletes I've ever met, ever had the privilege of knowing. Um, Laura Marshall was up here with me. She, her accent may say differently, but she does live locally. And um, last year she completed the Arc to Arc. Now, if nobody knows what that is, if you don't know what that is, it's actually the Marble Arch in London, finishing up at the, uh, the Arc de Triomphe in Paris. And what that's all about is you're not in a plane, you're in, uh, you have to run for a bit, swim for a bit, and then ride for a bit, and you end up at the Arch, Arc de Triomphe, just like the Tour de France, but only cooler. And Laura completed that last year, so welcome, Laura. Thank you. Now, do you know the, uh, the distances off by heart that you did? You were out there for a fair while. Yeah. Um, you know, I've got them here, but it, let's, let's try and test your memory. Okay. Uh, so the run is 140K, um, and the swim was 33Ks, and the ride was meant to be 270, but we got diverted, so it was 300Ks. Wow. That was all in a day. Well, no, not really. Not quite. <laughs> no, we'll talk through the, uh, the, the time it took. That's, uh, that's amazing. Um, you know, it, you had to ride further than what you planned. That's pretty... Uh, uh, did Elite Energy organise that one? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Good one. <laughs> yeah, just, just saying. Um, more like the swim course might be longer if, if that was the case. Um, what, talk us what led you to that in the first place. Talk, you're from England. Um, what, what got you uh, into triathlons or, or, or training and, and, God forbid, to aim for something like that? <laughs> uh, yeah, I feel like I've been pretty lucky in life, just opportunities that have come along. Um, and I started um, with the Shri Shimnoi 
triathlons and uh, gone into adventure racing as well. And um, yeah, I guess triathlon was something that I could do where I could train on my own with work and stuff. And just as time has gone on over the years, it's, it's progressed. The challenge has got bigger and bigger, so yeah. And was this your biggest challenge? Uh, so far, yeah. Yeah, I'd say so, yeah. <laughs> No doubt there at all. <laughs> Didn't you hear about my first triathlon a bit <laughs> earlier in the night? 500 metres, I had I know, it's sleep. decent. It's good. <laughs> um, 465 kilometres in total, pretty much. Mm -hmm. Took you 81 and a half hours. Mm. Uh, I do know, because we've, we've talked about it before, there's a, there's a special uh, window there for your swim leg that you have to sort of light, so it's quite technical as well. Is that right? Yeah, so they, they give you a 10-day slot and they'll say, okay, on day four, at two o'clock in the morning, the swim, the weather, the tide, everything's good to go. So then you've got to work out, okay, I need this much time for the run um, and I need, I want to have, you know, this much rest. So you work back like that. So yeah, you could be waiting right to the end of that 10 days till you go. So mentally that was, yeah, that's hard. Um, yeah, it all revolves around the swim. Yeah, there was a few false starts there? Uh, a little bit. We had some bad weather. Um, there was a couple of weeks leading into it, bad weather. And, but the window that we got was, was gold, so we were really lucky. Yeah, yeah great. You, you, uh, the weather was pretty good on the swim, yes. I, I believe. Yeah, so the water was 16.7 degrees. And um, I don't know, it was maybe 18 or 19 outside, but it was sunny and blue sky. and. Uh, clear all the way, so that kind of made it feel a bit warmer. Yeah, till it got dark. <laughs> Do you remember how long the swim took you? Uh, Fifteen and a half hours. Yeah, which I was really happy with because I was expecting about eighteen. So yeah. Yeah, that's pretty. Good. I've got here actually fifteen hours and thirty-five minutes. Oh, sorry. So five, five minutes is a long time. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, Fifteen hours to swim thirty-three kilometres. Mm. Now my coach James is here. I, he, he, you could ask him and it's like, I'm lucky to swim 33 kilometres in training in 15 weeks, <laughs> let alone 15 hours to swim 33. Talk us through that because I know the swim leg's everyone's favourite leg in triathlon. <laughs> yeah. Um, tell us, tell us what, what that was like for you. Uh, the training or the swim Or the, the actual swim itself. The swim as well. Uh, yeah, it was great. Like, um, I think it started about four in the morning and you get the boat round to the start and then they just sort of chuck you in the water and you've got to swim to shore um, and then clear the water, put your hand up, yep, ready to go. Um, and then hop in the water, see the sun coming up um, and it's very dark down there. There's a boat beside you um, and that's about it for 15 hours. A few boats that you see um, and then it starts to get dark. You could see the lights in France thinking that still looks a really long way away. Um, but swimming, keep going, keep going, and then suddenly, towards the end, I touched the sand, and I was like, oh my god, I did it, I blooming did it, and then I tried to stand up, a little bit wobbly, and it must have been a sandbank, because then I just went <laughs> on my face. <laughs> and then I had to get out, clear the water, yep, all good, and then the captain had just come on like a little tinny with me, yep. and um, gave me a big hug, which was really nice, because it was a bit cold, and then he said, right, you've got to get back in the water and swim to the boat, which was only like 400 metres away, but um, it was enough to be like, you're joking. But I did, yeah. But I think the best bit about the swim was uh, I didn't get any chafing. And chafing had been a real issue in training, especially on the neck up here. Um, but lanolin and Vaseline, if you, yeah, it's great. <laughs> Just so. Wow, and, and you know what's even more amazing? Non-wetsuit. <laughs> And I believe you, um, you broke the record, world record for the non-wetsuit. 
yeah, yeah, I was pretty lucky to do that, so, yeah. <laughs> was it? Yeah, wow. How good's that? Was that the world record for the uh, for that race or the swimming the British Channel? Uh, no, sorry, the English Channel. No, just for that race. Yeah. So, for it to be a kind of official crossing of the English Channel, it's just your swimmers' goggles and hat. Um, but I guess a lot of people that do enduro man, uh, you're pretty exhausted after the run. So to wear a wetsuit just to give you that more buoyancy and warmth. Yeah. But might as well do it properly if you're going to do it. <laughs> hey, why not? I, mean, I struggle to swim. 1K without a wetsuit. Um, and I think uh, there was only the fourth person athlete in that competition um, the, who's not worn a wetsuit. I think Is that right? fourth, yeah, yeah, I think so. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, the first solo Australian female to do it as well. Yeah. Which I feel, I know I don't sound that Australian, but yeah. I, I've got the citizenship, so uh, I can prove it. She's Australian, isn't she? We'll yeah. accept her. <laughs> Did you have the Aussie flag with you? Yeah, I think so, but I didn't use it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and down, down the front there, Erin, she was your support, or leader of your support crew? Yeah, so I mean, it was very much a team effort. Like, I got the fun bit, I think. All the logistics and the rest of it, yeah, Erin and, and the crew did. So yeah, I couldn't have done it without a team, which I guess, as triathletes, we all know it's the people behind us that make us, yeah, success. Oh, absolutely. And there's plenty of people in the room here who are just in that in that place, supporters, uh, officials, uh, we all make it happen. And um, tell me, uh, you set up a GoFundMe page, mm -hmm. and tell us all about the cause that, uh, that drove you to do this as well, that, that helped you, um, particularly mentally, to achieve such an awesome um, result. Yeah, um, I guess originally it was the challenge, like I, I enjoy physical challenge, and, and that's what it was about, and then I guess to give it more purpose, because it's quite a selfish thing to do really, just you know, spend all that time training and, and, and go and do an event. So to give it more purpose, we decided to raise money and awareness for Beyond Blue. Um, so mental health awareness. Um, yeah, and I guess that was something that was um, personal to me and, and my family. So yeah, that kind of definitely helped with my motivation, um, giving it purpose and just doing it for something bigger than yourself. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. I think you raised about four and a half thousand dollars to be on blue, mm. and um, which is which is fabulous. Um, so, did that help you at all? I mean, obviously, something of, of 80, 80 and a half hours, um, plenty of big legs in there. Mm. Uh, what were your biggest mental um, strengths? Where did where did that come from? What did you draw on? Uh, yeah, I think by the time the event actually came around, I was ready to just get it done. I was pretty pretty saturated from the training and the build up and all of that so I was just ready to get it done and part of that was for everyone else so um, you know the support people around me and my family and all that so yeah knowing that people had put money in to, to help as well just that kind of motivates you um, and I suppose too just having a dream and wanting to really complete it that pushed me a wee bit yeah so there's some good advice there um, can you draw on a particular time when it was, you know, really, really tough? I'm not saying you wanted to give up, mm. but, you know, when you really, really were struggling. I think the hardest bits was in training. There was quite a few tears in the ups and downs of training. That was the real journey, if you like. Um, in the event itself, it was quite near the start of the run. So you're starting in central London and you've got someone on a push bike leading you out. We started at 5pm, so after a few hours it was getting dark and 
And then I was on my own and then I was like looking in people's houses and through the window and I could see them sitting there tucking into their dinner, watching Neighbours on TV. And, uh, and I was like, oh, what am I doing? Like, what is this about? Like, and I, I still had only really just started. So it took a while to kind of move through that self-talk. Um, but yeah, I'd say the run, I definitely had more lows than anywhere else. I thought it would be in the swim, but yeah. that just seemed to go. It's quite, maybe I was in that kind of peak flow moment. Yeah, dodging the container ships and yeah. the ferries and all that. Yeah, great. Yeah. Um, now, one thing I wanted to talk to you about and uh, what, what's going on with your transition times? <laughs> yeah, you know, they're you've got quite one lengthy. There that's 13 hours and one that's <laughs> nearly 10 hours. What, you know, yeah. you could have done a lot quicker, couldn't you? I, well, in hindsight. <laughs> but. Um, <laughs> The goal was just to finish it, like timing and all that was whatever it's going to be. I just wanted to finish it in one piece, so um, so I had sleeps, so I had two six-hour sleeps and the, the transition between the run and the swim was a bit longer than planned just because the official who had to come on the boat for the English Channel crossing got stuck in traffic, so we were stuck on the boat, stuck on the boat for about an hour or so, waiting for them to turn up, so, but um, yeah, I guess in hindsight, I could have cut a lot of time out, but, you know, maybe next time. Oh, no. Right. <laughs> yeah, maybe. No one's expecting you to be any quicker. I was just uh, noted the transition times, that's all. So you had to wait for the official. How did, how did you, did you just sort of um, sit back and have a coffee or? Yeah, pretty much just sat there, got lathered up in my lanolin and sunscreen <laughs> and, yeah, just waited. Wait, yeah. simply what just like the start of an Iron Man in a wave start or something exactly. like that. Yeah, yeah. Exactly. <laughs> now, so you had to qualify, you had to, you had to prove that you could, um, through some other events, that you could actually uh, enter this. Do you want to talk to us about some of those events? Yeah, so the swimming was the main one. Um, so to qualify to do the English Channel, you have to do an eight-hour swim under 16-degree water. Um, so did that with a company up in Sydney called Vlad Swim and they run a cold water camp in Melbourne. So we did that um, and also Rockness Channel Swim was part of all of that. Um, but unfortunately didn't quite get across that channel because we got stopped by a shark. So <laughs> that kind of scared me a little bit but um, yeah so that's unfinished business. Um, but the rest of it, yeah, I guess I just had to give um, an itinerary sort of thing of all the events that I've done in the past and pay lots of money. <laughs> yeah, I'll bet you something like that isn't uh, cheap. But um, so how many years has it been running for? Uh, is it 2001, I yeah. think? It's the, guy, uh, the guy who started at Edgar, so he was a military man and yep. yeah, it took him about four goes, I think, to finish it. Um, but since then, there's been 36. 37 people now that have finished it. Yeah. Did you let him know you did it in one go? Yeah, <laughs> he was yeah, there. Good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I would. Um, well, let's, let's, so what, um, what's next for Laura? What's next? <laughs> yeah, well, um, so this year's about running. So I'm going to, yeah, just focusing on running. I, a few years ago, I tried a 100 miler running event and pulled out at 70 miles just with a few issues. So I'm going to try the Human Hovel Ultra which I hear is awesome, so that's in October this year. But the big one is um, a length of New Zealand triathlon. So cycle the North Island, swim the Cook Strait, and then run the South Island on hopefully the Tiora Trail. Yeah. 
there's, there's a few hills there, you know there's a that. few hills, yeah. yeah. <laughs> How good's that? When is enough enough? Maybe never. Um, we're, going, we're going to take a couple of minutes for any questions on the floor. Um, but just, just a final thing. Um, what, what advice would you give anyone who's, you know, not necessarily aiming for something? When we all try something new, we're quite challenged. Um, I know when I did my first Ironman, I thought, you know, it looked out of the out of the realm for me before I even thought about it. But now, um, you know, you realise you can do this stuff. And um, to, yeah, novices and everybody in this room, what we're building up for. Um, what sort of advice have you got for them? Uh, I guess having the right people around you. So having that support. Um, believing in yourself and being persistent and consistent in your training. Good advice. <laughs> uh, has anyone got any questions at this stage? I'll hand the mic to Craig, but it's a great opportunity. I was quite lucky. Um, I guess leading up to this event, I've been lucky enough to do stuff for most of my life, and I think you know endurance comes with time and age, so they've got that. But um, I think the one percenters, so making sure that you rest enough, massages really work for me, and I started doing um, clinical Pilates, and so something specific to me. Um, and the only issue I had was a slight shoulder niggle from all the swim training, but in the event itself. I didn't have any issues, not even chafing, which is awesome. <laughs> do you have a day job? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm a teacher. Um, but last year I did, did go casual, so I probably did about two days a week. Yeah, like the biggest training weeks I had were about 40 hours a week. So, yeah, it was... Um, but I just felt like if I'm going to do it, I might as well do it properly and put everything into it. So I was lucky enough to be able to do that. So with the 15 hours in the water, I mean, I just can't fathom that myself. <laughs> but how do you, what's your nutrition regime for something like that? How do you make sure that you, I mean, you're in salt water as well, so you've got that to, to uh, deal with. How did you structure that nutrition and that, uh, and that sort of thing? Yeah, I was, um, so I worked with a nutritionist because I, that was, I guess, something that I needed to get right to keep going for that amount of time. Um, so every half an hour, I'd get given, thrown a bottle, because you don't have to touch anyone or anything, of 200 mils of either, it'd be rotated between cordial, um, ovaltine, um, and flat coke, I think was for me, and then like quarter of a banana, um, as well, sort of every two or three feeds. And you'd have about a minute to down that before you'd start drifting the wrong way, so that you've got to keep going. So that's, that's what worked for me after doing several, before the event, you know, doing tests and uh, fluid tests and things like that. So yeah, I mean, and it worked, it worked for me. Um, on the run, it was real food. Um, I think, I don't know, after about 100Ks, my mum bought me a bacon and egg sandwich on white bread. It was gold. <laughs> that was just gold. And you can run after that as well. Yeah. 
Yeah, some really great questions there and um, certainly some pretty specific to, to the sport we all love doing. Um, Laura, you're a champion. Thanks. World champion, in fact. Um, we're really proud of you and I'm very glad to have known you for probably a couple of years now but, um, and great to catch up again tonight. But um, please take the time to have a chat to Laura before you, you leave tonight. She's a, she's a fantastic person. And you know what we're going to sign off with, Laura? When we used to do some training with her, she always had great dad jokes. <laughs> so, Laura, okay. what's your favourite dad joke? All right, at the moment, the joke at the moment is, so there's this, this guy and he has a sister, and his sister said to him, I bet you can't make a car out of spaghetti. And then she was really surprised when he drove past her. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Laura. Big round of applause for Laura. fantastic interview with Laura Marshall done by the amazing Gary Mills MC of the triathlon ACT annual awards talking about her incredible journey and world record race in the Enduro Man arch to arc last year yeah it was like what an incredible achievement but what made it really special I think even being in the room during that interview was how relatable aspects of her journey were for everyone there. She's just an everyday teacher who's just done something pretty remarkable. Yep. And it just shows that for anyone, you know, you can take on any challenge, give it your best shot, and you never ever know what you may achieve. Some amazing things can happen. And so it was really great to hear her story. So we're getting ready. We've got the off-road duathlon this weekend, the Shrisham Noi off-road duathlon. It's gonna be a great weekend. We look forward to seeing everyone out there taking photos. We'll be taking some video. We'll get those online after the race. And uh, for those who would like to be on the podcast, come and see us because we love a couple of out and about interviews from our awesome, awesome triathlon ACT members. That would be really cool. Come join us. That's it for the episode five of the Triathlon ACT podcast. If you have any tips, tricks, or things that you would like to know about for how stuff works, please let us know and also touch base if you um, know of anyone competing overseas or have pulled off an amazing achievement in the world of triathlon in Australia. Thanks very much, Emily. It's been great having you here. It's been fantastic. Let's do it again. Be a part of the Triathlon ACT community by visiting www.triathlonact.com.au. If you enjoyed this episode of the Triathlon ACT podcast, we encourage you to share it on Facebook, Instagram and LinkedIn and leave a review on your favourite podcast app. We would love to hear from you, so please feel free to contact Craig or Emily at director at act.triathlon.org.au with your feedback, questions and suggestions. Be sure to check out the next episode of the Triathlon ACT podcast.